In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes. Right. So today, Emily, we are watching In a Lonely Place, which is a 1950 film noir starring Humphrey Bogart. He plays a washed-up screenwriter accused of murder who ends up involved with the witness, ooh, interesting, who could help clear his name. It's dark and ambiguous with a notoriously, su- well, see, you, you say notoriously surprise ending. I've never heard of this film, and now you've said that there is some sort of surprise, which kind of yeah. takes away the fact that there's a surprise. Well, no, a- but anyway. if you, okay, that's not my fault, though, because, like, when you access it online, the graphic is probably going to be the poster that's that says it gives away the, the Bogart. Ending. It said no, it doesn't give away the ending, but it says the Bogart thriller with a surprise ending or something like that. Like that's <laughs> well, like that's how they tried to market it. Well, it's like I think not very successfully. That they, um, they, if you finish the sentence, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, but. no, the, the end of the sentence is uh, notoriously surprise ending, which is part of why it's less well known than most Bogart films. And well, it's not why I haven't seen it, uh, but I just have never heard of it. Well, so yeah, I what I mean, what I mean is that it's less that that you haven't heard of it. A lot of people yeah. haven't heard of it, which is right. part of why you haven't seen it. Right. Well, I mean, so that's the thing. So I, I do like I've seen uh, Casablanca, obviously, many, many times. And then Maltese Falcon twice. And I feel like I even just based on those. God, two films, how have you only seen the Maltese Falcon twice? I, I, I lost the DVD ages ago. Um, Still. Yeah. Uh, so. With with those two, I mean, those are two, like I said, you would consider those, like, his, like, best-known films. Like, yeah. based on those, I would, like, say, like, oh, yeah, I I would call myself, oh, yeah, Humphrey Bogart fan. Like, I like those films a lot. But it's one of those things where you can call yourself a fan of something but have an extremely incomplete knowledge. So I haven't seen this movie. I haven't seen Big Sleep. He's in that, too, right? Yeah. And there's, like, there's so many other things that I haven't seen. Um, so I am curious if this at all changes sort of my understanding of, like, you know, what I think of a Bogart film being, you know? It's pretty different um, from from those and from, um, I would say, I would say arguably the, um, if you if you were to, to name some sort of trifecta of him, I would actually say Treasure of the Sierra Madre, because that's also oh. a very, that's also a very different um it's pretty different from from Casablanca and from uh, the Maltese Falcon and like yeah. a, a different type of character um, than he plays in those and that he's he's very well known for. But um, independent of Treasure of the Sierra Madre, I mean, yeah, he plays he plays a lot of characters. Usually, he plays a lot of characters who are really similar to Rick Blaine and to yes. uh, and to. Um, Sam Spade. Sam Spade. Thank you. I'm yeah. thinking. I all I could think in my head was Philip Marlowe, and I was like, no, that's the big <laughs> sleep. But they're relative. They're kind of similar. Dashiell Hammett. He plays Dashiell Hammett, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I uh, he plays a lot of characters who are sort of riffs on those guys. Yeah. 
um, and end up in somewhat similar situations to them and resolve those situations in similar ways. Um, and that is who, yeah, not the character he plays here. All right. Well, I'm excited to go check this out. So we're going to go watch this and then we'll come back and talk about it after the break. See you on the other side. Hey, folks, Eric and I are off watching In a Lonely Place, starring Humphrey Bogart. And in the next part of the podcast, we are, as always, going to spoil everything that happens in this movie. So you definitely want to make sure you see it before you listen to the rest of this podcast. You can rent it on iTunes, Amazon, or Voodoo. So go watch the movie and then enjoy the rest of the podcast. And we're back. We just watched In a Lonely Place, starring Humphrey Bogart. Uh, and so, yeah, this was very much a noir film. Um, <laughs> I yeah. can see, I can totally uh, see this Dark. fitting very perfectly into the, the, the Emily Jones uh, canon of, of uh, things that you enjoy. Before we get to what I thought of In a Lonely Place, Emily, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, what you like about this film? All right. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the comment about this fitting into the canon of Emily Jones film. You're too predictable. <laughs> Am I really? I don't. Ugh. Well, what no. I like about this is that it's not predictable. Um, well, and I should note that the reason I picked it for my next thing was because our last uh, episode that I picked was, uh, was the third man. And you said that you liked the ambiguity of, yes. of the various things going on in that. And I was like, well, if you like <laughs> ambiguity, wait yeah. till you see this movie. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of great and so well done and so satisfying, um, the way that just the way, the way that like her doubt over whether or not he's guilty, um, or actually an hour doubt too, over whether right. or not he's guilty destroys the relationship. But it's also, and I don't think that this is intentional on the part of the filmmakers, but like, I also like that, like, it's still kind of up in the air, whether that's a bad thing. Like, I'm not sure it's a Whether bad it's thing. Whether it's bad that the relationship fell apart. I'm not sure it's bad for their relationship to be destroyed because, like, yeah. it's pretty abusive. Like, it's it, really bad. Yeah. So, you know, her her masseuse was right that, like, you know, he's violent and, and you yeah. know... Well, he's kind of he's kind of the sort of person he'll he'll punch someone and say I'm sorry like he, like I mean he does with Mel where he breaks his glasses like he like hurts a guy and goes in the bathroom and then they just kind of like patch things up and like if you're someone like Mel then I guess you forgive him but like in the real world not everyone would you know accept the apology or take the hush money or... yeah well and it's not you know obviously that's not a great sort of marriage to be in. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I think, I think what I really like, I mean, I love, so I love that. And I think it, I think it, uh, I don't know, it's fascinating to watch, but I also just really like how freaking scary Humphrey Bogart is. Yeah. Cause like, the thing is like, he, he's menacing and like, I, I think it's fair to say I've seen a hell of a lot more of his movies than you have. <laughs> and like, he's, he can be scary and menacing, certainly. I mean, even in, um, in the Maltese Falcon, for instance, you know, there are moments where he can be pretty threatening to the various other characters, right. but, um... He's always clearly a good guy, or, or or maybe not clearly, but he's always, um, redeemed in a more significant way Yeah, than well, and it's fine, and it's fine that he can be a little bit scary, because he's also right, you know? Exactly. Um, and, like, his other characters are... 
mixed. Sure. I mean, Sam sure. Spade, Sam Spade is not a hundred percent great guy. Like he has, he does, does and says some shitty things. Uh, even but... Rick, I mean, Rick is kind of looking out for number one for most of the film. Well, you and know? that's, and that's a, that's a character he actually plays several times over. Yeah. Um, Humphrey Bogart does is, is the, the character who is, um, who's, you know, a capitalist and looking out for number one and not, not getting involved in the moral battle. But then he usually does. Right. You know, as as he, you know, as we both know that he does in Casablanca, he does it several times over, though, in his other movies. He's a character who, oh, he's not involved in the con- conflict. He doesn't have skin in that game. Right. But then he ends up he ends up doing the right thing in the end, you know. And he, like, he's the model for, for, like, the Han Solo type character that's become totally. increasingly common, you know, in, in modern, like, action movies and such. Or, I guess not just action movies, a lot of different types of movies. Totally. He, a lot of Humphrey Bogart's films were, like, the pattern that later yep. filmmakers aped. But not um, this one. I nope. mean, he this guy this guy is not that guy. Like he's, well, he's what, what I was he has of, redeeming qualities, but oh man, he's yeah. a monster. I, I'm kind of like um with with this movie that I'm I feel like um this is something I wrote down at one point. If this film were being made for the first time today, this whole story would be like a season of like a really good TV show on like HBO or AMC or something. I feel like um this character. Uh, I, I it's it's something where I I feel like this is even though I haven't seen very much of Breaking Bad or or of of Mad Men I feel like there's sort of um a an ambiguity and a depth to this character that seems to be missing from modern movies even more so than compared to other Humphrey Bogart films. Um, I feel like this is well, and his very, characters have this, depth. I'm not saying his character his other characters don't have depth. No, no, no. But <laughs> but I, I just in terms of um. Yeah, and so it's, it's not a lack of depth, but an an effect of making the viewer change, you know, how they think about the characters. Sort sort of this, I guess, anti-hero is. I, I'm having trouble finding the right term, but there, there's something about this movie where I was thinking, like, wow, this would totally be like, you know, an amazing TV show if this were being made today. Kind of seeing this whole, you know, crime drama unfold over over several weeks, um, and. And that was something that's to its credit. I mean, I, I did really like the film, um, and I was, uh, as you expected, I was pleased by the, the ambiguity at times. Um, but I also kind of felt a little bit, I was a bit underwhelmed by the world, I guess. Like, I feel like uh, Humphrey Bogart, he, his his character, and um, I, I don't know, the actress who plays Laurel, um, I feel like their dynamic was great, and I was totally wrapped up in them. Gloria and sort of Graham. Gloria Graham was the actress. Um, I, I thought both of them were great, um, but I felt a little bit... I, I don't know, I was puzzled by the other characters around them who seemed to sometimes behave in really, like, very... Um, just sort of antiquated is, 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 like... Again, not the perfect term for this... But the plotting of this, it felt very much like a kind of a, kind of an old movie in a, in a way. It, it's plotted in a way that um, I, I don't know. I just totally didn't buy a lot of like the way the detective and the and the captain, so, sort of the way they were conducting the investigation, or the fact that we only meet you know the boyfriend the one time, and we don't. Really, it's nothing really substantial. I don't know. The, there were kind of a couple of, like things at the periphery of this, even though the core of it was, I think, a fantastic film, and I really enjoyed it. There are a couple of things where it's kind of like, I, I wish we'd had maybe more time to see the rest of this world fill up um, that, than we do here. 
So that was kind of my, my, my main. Yeah. I see that point. I see where you're coming from, but I actually, um, I kind of like how much it's, it's about the two of them Yeah, and, and like the murder doesn't even matter. I mean, I mean, it does obviously, but what really matters is the suspicion and his capability right. of doing it. And so like, I actually like that, like we barely meet the boyfriend and we don't find out any details of why he did it, how he did it, how they got the confession, what ended up happening. Like we don't yeah, find out so any of that, that at all because like I, 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 none of it matters. More... I, and I like that. I like the way they did right. that. It's not so much the actual crime. It's the, the other characters who are sort of leading the investigation, who are asking questions, who are planting the seeds of doubt in, um, in Laurel's mind. You know, like Martha, we, we, we hear about her that she's talking on the phone with her and she describes her a bit. Then we get the one scene with her, like giving the massage weirdly. Um, but it, but uh, I I don't know I kind of um, I I kind of I kind of feel like there was a sli- like maybe and this is again kind of the the wishful thinking of like oh what if this were something that were the sort of movie that were being made today um, I feel like there could have been like another fifteen minutes to to this to kind of lend it a little bit more um, um, heft you know I, I, yeah I, don't know. I mean I would say I would say you are right that like there are definitely two human characters in this movie yes. and a whole <laughs> bunch of cardboard cutouts yes you know the the suspicious head investigator and the more sympathetic other investigator and and his her, wife who's like yeah <laughs> yeah and you know her female confidant who's there to say you know this is a bad idea. And like, that's all. Yeah. I mean, right. yeah, there are definitely a lot of cardboard cutouts. In that movie. being said, what two amazing human characters? I mean, I don't want to make it oh, seem like I'm like overly down on the movie. I'm just kind of like, um, that, that was sort of my, my, my takeaway, but like overall, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy with it, with this movie. And I, I feel like it's, um, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to watch the two of them like interact and, and watch her defend him to the whole world. And then, Right. Like start to learn more about him and see that he actually is capable of some horrible things and yeah yeah like that the scene where he's uh, he's speeding around the the corners and then he has to run in with a football player like it's one of those things where obviously this is the it was like what nineteen fifty something nineteen fifty uh, yeah nineteen fifty and so you can like you know if, if you're looking for like I was I noticed at one point the green screen and it's like okay well you know they they were doing what they could uh, but even in spite of and and spite it's black and white but it felt incredibly tense and like I immediate know. you know um so which scary. is a huge well, and then credit he, to the filmmakers then he gets back in the car and puts his arm around her and it's yes like, i know jesus <laughs> he's about yeah. to kill her the same exact way like exactly that was you know a and is that scene. what happened and oh yeah i know and there well and there's so much of that and again he is so scary yeah. i mean that scene right at the end right before the police call and say that they he's caught the other her. guy yeah i mean terrifying well and also the, the the way they framed that shot also brilliant because he's choking her out of frame and so until you hear her crying you don't know if she's still conscious and or alive like so I'll, I'll, I, yeah this is something i know where... i mean the first time i, I sorry I, I keep interrupting you but no the no, first... no no that's the point the <laughs> If you apologize for every time you interrupted me, I don't think we would be able to get through an entire podcast. I know. I'm a nightmare <laughs> of a person to try to have a conversation with. But Anyway, um, as I was saying, no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, the first time I saw it, like, I I think I actually thought that he was going to kill her, like, mm-hmm. right 
when he gets exonerated for the other murder. Anyway, right. sorry, continue your sentence. No, I just I just, um I'm I'm now like feeling a little bit uh a little bit like I was overly harsh on even though there are things about the film with the cardboard cutout characters that feel very much like stuck in the past or kind of that that wouldn't be true but the the filmmaking just sort of the the direction of this film and the way they preserve the tension in those crucial scenes i mean that the some really excellent you know work with the camera and work with with you know um with the editing here that um is hugely well done like very impressive stuff yeah, well, and I don't know if it's fair to say that having, like, these cardboard cutout side characters is necessarily a sign of the movie's age. I mean, there are tons of movies oh, where totally. that's true of the characters. Um, I, like, I guess, but every, in... like, every best friend in every rom-com. Yeah, but I, I guess in, the, in this movie, uh, and in a lot of older movies, like, it seems to be sort of, um, I guess side characters are just a, a lot more obvious it, I, I don't know it, i i do think there is a difference in terms of how cardboard characters are um used in older versus newer movies like like in newer movies i feel like they're maybe given maybe there's just fewer of them in a movie there's only those only two or three i i don't know i'm just talking out my ass here well um, and i think maybe also um we don't expect now, when there are cardboard side characters in movies, um, they tend to be either genres where we're expecting that or, like, the whole movie is that way, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it's I, – I guess it is It is sort of weird to have, um, like, the quality of character work from from the leads accompanied with a movie that doesn't fully flesh out anyone else in the movie. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's maybe just that. It maybe it's just the contrast thing. Oh, um, were you paying attention to the um, – this is just a little like a minor yeah. comment. Were you paying attention to the uh, the plot of the book? I, I realized about three quarters of the movie. I probably should have been paying more attention to that. I mean, like, I, I could, I, if I had been really thinking about, it, if I had had my coffee, you know, sooner, I, I may, maybe would have realized. All oh, right, there's probably some foreshadowing that's going to happen right here. But... Well, and I didn't realize it the first yeah. time I saw it, and yeah. then, and but this time, this time I was like super excited about it because the plot of it. There's a lot of there's a lot of extra detail that doesn't really matter. It's sort of a romance novel-y kind of novel, but um, but a central part of it is that the main character of the novel, who it's named after, is suspected of killing her husband. Like they're out right. on a sailboat and he drowns, and she's suspected of killing. And uh, Humphrey Bogart asks the Kochek girl, "Why did you kill him?" Well, that's kind of left open in the book. Oh, I know. Yeah. I got so excited when I heard her say that because I was like, "Oh my god, it's the same thing." um but that's not what destroys her relationship with the hot lifeguard so right (laughs) i would kind of like to see that movie though that is well i i also um i was thinking about this with sort of characters who are assholes uh you know humphrey burger as we've mentioned has played some characters who are redeemed over time um in this one there's um there, there, there's a very str- there's a very strong and and not subtle acknowledgement of the fact that this man this guy's really misogynistic and this guy is you know the I think it's what the former former lover or whatever comes up to him in, at Paul's restaurant and is talking about like oh uh, you know do you hate all women or just the ones you know um, yeah and and then when someone's telling him about the uh, about the book or about the Kochek girl Mildred and says like oh she's your audience and he says you know I really hope not. Um, 
I, I don't know. It's 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 interesting how um, I, I thought that whole opening section was, was an interesting way of setting up this character. As you know, I guess the first thing we see him do is almost pick a fight. Um, yeah, no, um, I know, no, I know, I know what you mean though. I mean, it establishes we know, like we know so much more about him than uh, than she does, and yeah. you know we know that he's that he has a horrible temper and is capable of some serious violence and it's like even going into their relationship and you know she has no idea and we have to sort of watch her discover that also i didn't catch before that the woman who comes up to him in that scene in the beginning mm-hmm. is the one who i'm pretty sure is the one who uh accused him of beating her up and breaking oh, yeah. her nose yeah i didn't catch that i didn't catch that the first time i watched it yeah um, no, I mean, it, it seemed like that was the um, person who who then who changed her story and said yeah. she walked into her door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't, I just didn't catch that the name was the same. Yeah. Um. Although obviously they right from the get go they uh make it clear that they have a history and that it's a bad history. He says something because he says something to her about like I was good to you and she says no, not to me, but you were pretty nice. Right. It's like, Bam. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah, to- total lack of self awareness. There, it's like really, you thought you thought if they, if you thought that was being good to someone. Um, yeah, no, he's kind of a monster. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought the movie was going to go a very different way uh, when you know when he's like trying to take her back to his place, and you know, um, I thought the the woman who passed by them was going to be like the murder victim, um, who wound, wound up being you know the other way around. Oh, you thought the neighbor was going to be the murder victim? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I thought there was going to be like this chance encounter with a with a stranger because the way he says like, "Oh, I've never seen her before." I I don't know. Um, so uh, that 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 even that part was was a bit uh, surprising. The fact the fact that they they killed off this character who seemed like she would be sort of um, uh, a contrast to to him. Um, yeah, she seemed like she was being set up for something, but she was like a such a sort of wide eyed puppy. Yeah. Almost yeah. to a strange extent, considering like the what you assume is going on in that restaurant. I mean, just from what we see go on in that restaurant, it's like really, Coachette girl, you don't mm-hmm. know that these Hollywood people are kind of slime balls. Yeah. Well, I mean, she she does like call him out. She does say like, oh, you know, Mister Steele, like uh, when he says like, oh, we'll get back to my place, and she goes, Mister Steele, like, yeah, very disapprovingly. Like she, she does, she does know she something's does. up, but then she also kind of completely falls for. Well, I don't know. That's that's the ambiguity, I, I guess. Is like, uh, did, what was he? You know, when did he decide that he he was he was not going to be uh, that much of a monster for 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 one night? Um, yeah, it's it's unclear. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what his intention was with taking her home, and yeah, was he planning something, and then he had a headache, so he changed his mind. Like, who yeah. knows? Or was was it just him being, you know? fed up with with her uh, her puppy dog goodness as you describe it yeah yeah um let's see i'm oh i like that she uh that laurel uh is is an early early adopter of the phenomenon that we now refer to as ghosting as a way of ending a relationship oh oh we're just she, running out <laughs> yeah the well, her, her previous person that she was dating she ghosted on I don't think I've actually heard that expression. Oh, really? That's oh, yeah. yeah that's a whole thing. It's just like cutting off communication. Just like you just stop responding. Hmm. Interesting. Stop seeing them. Stop. Don't don't answer the phone. Don't reply to text messages. You just ghost <laughs> on someone. It's a thing. And keep your name out of the papers too, because yes, that's a thing that you can certainly. do, and... <laughs> and something you have to worry about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So actually, without that's the whole thing. So um. That's I knew I knew something else I was going to mention. 
so normally it's a huge pet peeve of mine when someone says, oh man, there's a great twist ending uh, or something like that. So oh, yeah. when, since Sorry. we were talking, no, no, no. But since we were talking about surprise ending, that actually um, made the ending even more surprising for me because knowing that there was some sort of, you know, surprise coming, I was thinking that Laura was the murderer. I thought that there was going to be like in the last 10, 15 minutes because like there's all these scenes uh, where she's saying like, Oh yeah, I saw them leaving or I saw, I saw them parting. And there's lots of scenes of her, uh, you know, talking to other people about the, in a way that would suggest like, you know, basically what the audience is feeling of increasing feelings of doubt about whether or not this person's guilty. And I was, I was thinking like, Oh man, I wonder if she's like really sneakily setting him up and that she maybe set up the previous guy, you know, that, that she, she ran out on. Or oh like, my God, that would be amazing actually. Right. Like, she's like, like a particular, a particular type of black widow who, like, I, just psychopath, who like, yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be crazy. I wonder if that movie exists. It feels like something like a, a more like Hitchcockian sort 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 of movie. Is oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That does sound like a Hitchcockian yeah. premise. Is that even the right word, Hitch Hitchcockian? I think it is. Yeah, okay. I think that's the word for it. All right, cool. Um, anything else on your list? Um, no, I think that's all that I have. I just super enjoy it. Actually, I should note. I just should note that uh, my first note that I took doing while watching this movie today was: I am never not enamored of Humphrey Bogart saying words. <laughs> Which hey, is... his, that accent is just fantastic. Oh, you shouldn't have done it, honey. No matter how much money that pig's got, you pull over the curb. And what's wrong with right here? Oh, I <laughs> ah, he's just wonderful. Yeah. And actually, I mean, the I didn't even tell you how I came across this movie, which is yeah. How's that? Uh, one weekend in grad school, I just was having an aggressive Humphrey Bogart weekend. <laughs> and like I watched, I watched the Maltese Falcon and the Big Sleep, and then I just started going through his IMDb credits and watching just like lots of things. Um, I mean, and you know the great, the greatest hits and my favorites again: Maltese Falcon, Big Sleep, Key Largo, To Have and Have Not, all of which is on our podcast list. Okay. But also stuff I hadn't seen at the time. I hadn't seen Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I watched Sirocco, which is weird and kind of a strange Casablanca-ish thing. But Algeria, okay. it's a weird thing. Um, and yeah, and this, and it was like, whoa, this is so <laughs> not something I expect from him. Whoa. Crazy monster. And, and, and you, and you picked this one specifically for this week just because of ambiguity and our yep. mutual love thereof. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you said something in the la- in our last, my last turn as the geek that I was like, well, there's another ambiguous <laughs> Have I got movie a movie for list. you. Yeah. No, no. I, good pick. Uh, I liked it a lot. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for introducing me to Yay. this film. So what are we what are we watching, reading, playing, doing next time? So this is drawing from uh, a conversation that happened, I guess, over Facebook Messenger outside of the podcast. Uh, you, what I, we talk outside this podcast? Our yeah, listeners don't I know, know that. Weird. Sometimes. Um, so uh, you messaged me. I guess it was last week at the time of this recording, saying. Hey, so I was going to go get tacos with my friend, and it turned into a viewing of the room. This is a real thing that happened. Uh, so there were also uh, margaritas involved. For, for for the uninitiated, the room is a fantastic, fantastic, awfully bad movie. So bad, really bad. Uh, made by but in the a, best way. In the best way, Ma- made made by a guy who really wanted to make the next Citizen Kane and just failed. Uh, in a really oh. several several dramatic ways, and so we are going to all be all the reading... ways it's possible to fail. 
Yes. And so we are going to be reading about that failure. Uh, We're going to be reading a book called The Disaster Artist by Greg Sestero. And um, and who's the co-author? The guy who actually wrote it. (laughs) Yeah, Greg Sestero is the like uh, the other lead in the movie, the romantic rival and best friend. Yeah. So we're going to be reading uh, The Disaster Artist by Greg Sestero and uh, Tom Bissell. Uh, and yeah, so Greg Sestero was one of the co-stars of the movie and uh, You're my of the best room. friend. <laughs> His best friend. Oh, see, see, I was, I was just automatically lapsed into something that people yell out at live screenings when you've never done a live screening. But, no, I haven't. Um, anyway, so. Oh, hi, uh, Mark. Emily and I both love this, this awful movie and, uh, the book about it, I think, uh, is, uh, jaw dropping. It's, 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 uh, really excellent book. So we're going to read that and uh, geek out over it probably. Uh, I'm, ex- next I'm excited about this. Yeah, no, it's, and, uh, and I'm excited to reread it to be honest. <laughs> a homework, a homework assignment to you listeners is also that you should absolutely watch the room before listening to our podcast about the book about the room. I'm going to sit, I'm going to venture. Yeah. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the, the hitch with this book is that you could totally read the book uh, without having seen the movie and you could still get a crazy story it's a crazy hollywood story but um i will say that there are several um very cleverly well we can get to it get into it next week but there's there several things in the book where as soon as it as soon as it first gets mentioned if you've seen the movie as many times as we have you'll go like oh my god that you know yeah i mean also just for your own personal enjoyment and edification you should absolutely watch the room and if you can do yes. it with somebody who's already uh who's already seen it, who can helpfully point out things like you should really pay attention to this scene because it's hilarious or that never gets mentioned again. It's helpful. Yeah. And, and if you don't have someone, uh, then, you know, a bottle of wine and maybe the riff tracks version that also helps. So, yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those movies. So, uh, go see the room and read the disaster artist or get started on it anyway. And we'll talk about it next week. So, until uh, then, yes. <laughs> <laughs> until then, uh, hey, I'll do it this time. Until then, Eric, where else can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at hey hey esj, and I'm on Twitter at ej reports. Yeah, we flipped flip the rolls that time. I know. Man. I don't even know what to say. This is Giant yeah. Geek versus Mega Noob. Signing Bye. off. Bye. This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.